The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This show is brought to you by Miami Grill. For over 30 years, Miami Grill has brought you big favorites from big cities, featuring authentic ingredients prepared fresh to order with the best cheesesteaks, wings, gyros, burgers, and more. Don't just bring dinner home, bring home Miami. Order online or in person. Pickup, drive-through, dine-in, and delivery available at all locations. If you're craving it, they're making it. Bringing Miami Grill home has never been easier. With locations all over South Florida, check MyMiamiGrill.com to find yours. That's MyMiamiGrill.com to find Miami Grill. While we're in the middle of this booming real estate market of South Florida, you may be looking to purchase a new house or refinance your current one. You can make sure that you have an attorney-owned title company handle your contract and close for the low price of $295. Reach out to our good friend Seltzer Mayberg. Give them a call at 305-444-1565 and mention 5 Reasons Sports in order to get that $295 closing fee on all purchases and refinances. So go ahead and purchase or refinance that house knowing that you'll have an attorney reviewing and handling your closing for $295 when you mention 5 Reasons Sports. You can also visit their website at onecalllegal.com where they'll be able to assist you with any of your legal needs, whether it's a divorce or a car accident or slip and fall. Everything is in-house, and they're ready to help you with whatever you may need an attorney for. That is 305-444-1565, Seltzer Mayberg. Let me introduce you to another sponsor, bestever.com. That is B-S-T-E-V-R.com. Bestever.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real-life data to simulate hypothetical situations. For example, ever wondered if Dan Marino could win a Super Bowl with a top 10 running game? We all have. You can do that with bestever.com. Let's say the Dolphins are in the running for a big free agent. Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Best Ever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T. EVR.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here, and we are on. 2021 NFL Draft Eve. This is our final show before the draft. We will talk about the draft. We will give you a brief preview of what to expect or what not to expect. But as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use 5RSN for 20% off your entire order. You heard all the all, all of our other sponsors at the top of the show. All right, let's just get into it. Simon. It seems like, you know, we've been saying for weeks that the draft kind of starts at number four. Well, Kyle Shanahan had, I don't know if you saw that bizarre press conference where he reminded everybody of their mortality. I don't know if you saw that one. I've read the quotes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It was bizarre to start a quote reminding everybody that we could all be dead before Sunday. But. It seems like some news was made out of that press conference because now the choice seems to be Trey Lance and Mac Jones. First of all, do you believe those reports? And second of all, who is it going to be? Or who do you I think, think it's be, going to be? I think it would be Trey Lance. I've never believed the. Um, I've never believed the um, hype about Mac Jones in terms of. Um, him going third overall, I don't believe you'd give up three first-round picks to go and take a guy you could almost certainly get at the original spot you were at. 
especially in a league that we're currently in, uh, in terms of pocket flexibility. It's just not Mac Jones's forte. Um, so no, I think it'll be Trey Lance. I, I thought it would be Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Um, but the way it's shaking out, and you know the the way that people like Peter King are talking, um, I think it will be. Um, I think it will be Lance. Chris, you can go on. I was just. I, I just looked at it. Um, bet online, or you know, some some sports betting um, place, and uh, and you can still get plus two fifty on Trey Lance um, if you, you know, are so inclined. Nice. I'd I'd, suge- I'd suggest going and doing that. That's yeah. my that's my personal <laughs> suggestion. So you believe so. the reports? They really did all of this because of Lance. I didn't I I don't know if I, I've I haven't seen reports actually. I mean I the only thing that I had seen previous because I, I don't know, I've been paying somewhat attention today, but um maybe not as assiduously as some, but um I I'd seen previously as uh, Simon was alluding to that uh, Peter King and and others were saying that it's going to be either Trey Lance or Mac Jones. Yes. Um, whereas before we had been, I'd always been speculating Justin Fields because I, you know, there's history there and uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but uh, so that's the report I heard about, but I just personally got a text, you know, today from, um, from a scout friend of mine who was, who was surprised, but he's like, everywhere I turn, every, everybody I talk to is like, it's Trey Lance, which is, you know, surprising surprising to him mm-hmm. um and so that's that's the fresh news that's today and uh, i kind of wonder if the denver move trading for teddy bridgewater had something to do with it yeah that one's an interesting one and we're going to get into some of these trades including one that the dolphins made but simon that moves us to number four and it's uh i wouldn't call it yeah it's loud okay the drum beat is loud that certain teams are have been trying to get up to number four and Atlanta keeps saying no. What does that suggest to you? Does it suggest to you that they've settled on Kyle Pitts, who seems to be the consensus number one non-quarterback in this draft, or are they eyeballing a quarterback? What are your thoughts on that? Sorry, who are we talking about? Atlanta, number four. Yeah. I mean, I think they're waiting to see what, what offer they can get. Um, but they're in a great position because um, they can go whichever way they want to if they don't get the, the requisite um, bounty that they require. Look, there, there's lots of talk, again, from Peter King. Julio Jones might be on the move. Um, you know, what, what do you take for uh, for an aging Julio Jones who missed seven games last year, but is still when he's playing, a, a you know, a premier receiver, you know? Does somebody like the Green Bay Packers throw a second or third rounder into the mix? Does somebody like the Tennessee Titans, having lost Corey Davis, having lost Johnny Smith? Um, and if they do trade uh, Julio Jones, what does that say about the Atlanta Falcons situation? Does does that point more to them thinking about the future and taking a quarterback? Uh, because if you're trading Julio Jones, you're not going for, you know, there's, there's no last minute run. There's no trying to put the band back together with Matt Ryan and trying to, you know, eke out some glory. So do you, what looks like a uh, stronger quarterback field in 2021 than it does in 2022, do you load up on that position, uh, probably with Justin Fields, and uh, accept that you're probably, you know, he's probably not going to play this year and move Matt Jones, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Ryan on next year when you can still probably trade him for something? Or if you don't fancy the quarterback, then you stay there and you take the best non-quarterback or the best player in the draft, not called Trevor Trevor Lawrence, um, and that's Kyle Pitts. And you know, you hope that next year or in two years' time, there is a Baker Mayfield slash Kyler Murray slash Joe Burrow slash Trey Lance that comes out of the woodpile, and and um, you know, away you go. Yeah. Now, Chris, do you do you believe some of these reports? Like some are suggesting that they've kind of settled on Kyle Pitts, and it would take a bounty, uh, you know, a haul to get them to move out of number four. Do you believe that? Or are the reports that you've heard today, that we've seen today, where they refuse the trade, is it because they're refusing a trade because they obviously have a quarterback earmarked there? Because it's kind of confusing, right? right. It could go either way, Chris. I, I think that, it, again, the draft starts at three again because if if this is – Mac Jones, it could go one way. And if it's not Mac Jones, if it's Trey Lance, it could go another. I was told something hmm. very curious 
um, before all of the stuff started coming out today, or at least stuff privately uh, was coming out today. That's Trey Lance um, for San Francisco at three. Uh, before this, when everybody was still, I mean, keep in mind, uh, Mac Jones is minus 210 on the betting sites for the third overall pick. He's the overwhelming favorite, right? Um, Which still. is, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so, I mean, back during that, you know, a couple days ago, the curious thing that I was told is that, um, you know, yeah, Arthur Brent Blank likes the idea of Justin Fields, but um, the football people are all about, Kyle Pitts, but they would pause and think and have to really think and be very tempted if Trey Lance fell to them. And I was like, if Trey Lance fell to them, I mean, it's going to be Mac Jones. Of course, he's going to fall to them. You know what? <laughs> what do you? What do you? What are you talking about? Um, and now, circle back today, and it's like, oh no, it is Trey Lance at number three. If if that's right, I don't. You know. Um, and and now it's like, oh, that makes sense. So maybe Atlanta has been kind of convinced that it would be Trey Lance at number three all along, not really Mac Jones. And so they're kind of in this this stuck thing where like, well, if they do pass on Trey Lance, we'd think about it. But if they don't pass on Trey Lance, then we're just going to go ahead and get Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, obviously they're listening to trade offers. Uh, and And we've talked about Dallas and um, there could be other teams. Um, the trade offers, if refusing a trade doesn't mean anything, it just means the compensation wasn't enough, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And some people are sticklers about the board, about the, you know, the chart. And uh, I know Chris Greer has been, Chris Greer has done some trade offers. You know, he accepts the trade offers that are apparently really, really <laughs> exorbitant. <laughs> <laughs> lopsided uh, between the saints trade last year and the, uh, the San Francisco trade this year. Um, when somebody's coming at him trying to trade up, he's like, you know, it, he, he gets them. Um, so, so yeah, some, some team may have just come called them, you know, maybe new England Patriots, maybe, maybe other teams may have called the Atlanta Falcons offering trade, but you know, maybe the, the term sucked. So um, that doesn't really mean anything. I, I do think it's Kyle Pitts. Uh, at number four, um, I think it's po I think it's very possible, maybe even likely, that the Falcons are forced to make that pick because they're they're not getting the um, they're not getting the price that they want um, because if people aren't trading up uh, a, a huge, I don't think people are going to trade a huge package to get a non quarterback, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I just don't see it. Even if it's, you know, I, I love Kyle Pitts. I, you know, generational is a word I would use for him at the tight end position. But, um, but yeah, I just don't see it for a non-quarterback. So they're probably going to get forced to make the pick um, if Trey Lance is, the, is indeed the guy at number three. And uh, so and that's it, you know, Kyle Pitts off the board. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that that, that uh, extension that they signed Matt Ryan to, doesn't it make it essentially a lock that he has to be there for the next two years? Or are you going to pay him a ridiculous amount of money to let him leave at the end yeah, of it's a, the season? Yeah, it's, it's prohibitive. It's prohibitive to get rid of him uh, even next year, you know, next yeah. offseason. That's what I um, thought. Yeah. And that's why, you know, that's why in my mock draft, I actually sent Cal Pitts there because it just makes sense to just – if you know, if you gave him that extension, make a run at it. No, mm. unless you 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 know you want to deny yourself another weapon, and you're just going to have essentially uh, almost a thirty million dollar a year you know nurse of a uh, you know wet nurse to a a guy that you draft at number four. So yeah, I think. But Trey Lance. But keep in mind, Alf Trey Lance, like he wouldn't be ready to play right away. Yeah, that's okay. a good point too. He's uh, it might even take two years with him, mm -hmm. I think, of all the rookies that we're talking about. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good that's a very good point. Now, Simon, which moves us to number five. And number five is much, much clearer. Yeah, we thought number three was going to be clear. It's it's not anymore. But number five seems seems to be clear because everybody connected with that team is mentioning two names and that's. Well, obviously, if Kyle Pitts drops to them, that's a consideration. If not, you know, Jamar Chase is a consideration, but Penny Sewell is also a consideration. It's kind of simple. They're either going one way or the other. They're actually going to take a pick. They're going to use that pick 
on a pass catcher or somebody to protect Joe Burrow. What happens at number five? Where do you think they go with it? Um, I don't think it's clear at all, actually. I think there's really? potentially four four players you could throw into the mix. I mean, Pitts, obviously. Uh, Chase, obviously. And then I think both tackles, Penesor and Rashawn Slater, I think both uh, potentially in the mix. We've seen shocks before and this kind of thing. We didn't expect, for example, uh, the Raiders to take Cleveland Ferrell fourth overall. You know, we were thinking it was going to be a Josh Allen or, you know, if they took an end. I, I don't necessarily think the Sewell is an absolute lock to go uh, to be the first tackle off the board. Um, Slater's, I mean, I hate all this kind of player stock has risen or fall. I mean, it really hasn't. You know, player stock doesn't really rise and fall. Randy Mueller wrote a great piece on his website the other day about the perception of falling or rising stock in terms of how it's viewed from the outside, but how it, the reality is, you know, on the inside in terms of how scouts and the league deal with it. But I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's cut and dried that, that they'll take a pass catcher. Uh, I think if you can get Pele Sewell and then come back and get Terrace Marshall at the top of round two, well, that, you know, would make an awful lot of sense to me. Uh, you've got to protect your franchise quarterback. You know, he was hit more times. He was sacked more times than any rookie quarterback. I think since, da since David Carr, uh, he tore his ACL. You know, you saw the, you saw their new uh, kit reveal the other day uh, and the massive mm. sort of eight inch scar on his knee. That should be a yeah. fairly damning indictment to, to um, the situation. And I know we've had this conversation on the pod before, but if Riley Reef is the answer to the question, I don't know what the, the, the question is. Um, you know, that wouldn't exactly fill me with a great deal of joy. You've got to protect that guy. You've got to keep him upright. Um, you know, and look, I don't always buy the argument. And frankly, I'm now using it in a way which is slightly manipulative because I don't actually believe it. But, you know, you look at what happened to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You've got to protect these guys. Um, and I know the Chiefs had, you know, this has always been my argument. They did have projection. You can't help the fact that guys tear ACL, somebody goes to help the, the COVID um, fight, et cetera, et cetera. Lucas Niang sits out the season. But the point is you've got to protect your quarterback. You know, they, they've invested so much in him financially. You know, they took him over Justin Herbert. They took him over to, uh, they, you know, they've got to they've got to keep him upright. And I don't believe that Riley Reef is the sort of guy that keeps Joe Burrow safe. Uh, for an entire season so I, I think that has to be a consideration in a year where you know let's let's be honest in a year where is Jamar you know is Jamar Chase I like Chase he's not Julio Jones you know it, it, in a year where you can potentially get you know beyond the big three as we're calling them you know you can get Rashad Bateman a Kadarius Tony a Terrace Marshall a Rondell Moore an Amon Ra St. Brown a, you know an Elijah Moore a D. Eskridge a you know, Amari Rogers, Dayami Brown, Tylan Wallace, Shai Smith, Tutu Atwell, Sage Surratt, Nico Collins, Tamori and Terry, Kay Johnson. Is he that much better that you pass up protection of your quarterback and still be able to come back and get, you know, one of those guys? I, I don't believe so. So we shall see. We shall see. Yeah. And but I don't think it's cut and dried. Okay. That's it. That's interesting oh, because it's, it's getting, it, it seems, Kind of clear it's going to be one of those two choices, right? A pass catcher or protection from the blind side. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, well, I definitely. Would, I would turn that argument on its head, though, and say the same thing about the tackle position because certainly, I mean, you know, your mileage may vary on Penny Sewell. Um, you know, different people think different things about him, Rashawn Slate, but certainly Rashawn Slater. I mean, the difference between those guys and the other tackles in the draft, you know, Dylan, Dylan Raddins and, you know, Alex Leatherwood and, uh, you know, some of the other guys, people like Christian Darisaw, Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eikenberg, Jalen Mayfield, um, you know, all these guys, Spencer Brown, Brady Christensen, uh, who have a name, Jackson Carmen, although, I, you know, I'm, I'm iffy on him. Some people like Samuel Cosme. I don't necessarily. Um I mean, the bottom line is they're, they can get a tackle. They're, the tackle class is like 10 deep or something like that. It's, it's, really, it's really legitimately deep. So, and I think there, there's actually a larger space between those top three receivers, the Jamar Chase, uh, Devonta Smith, and, and Jalen Waddell, between them and the next group of receivers. I think there's a larger space than there is in the tackle and and so you can you could argue that yeah they're going to get Jamar Chase because this is a rare opportunity to reunite a, a legitimately elite receiver prospect 
with his quarterback that, you know, that helped make him in college and helped make each other really. Um, this is a unique opportunity because you're picking at number five and, uh, and, and you can go and pick up. I mean, if you can go and pick up Dylan Raddins at, at, at your next pick or even, you know, in a, in a small little trade up or something like that, then, then what's, what's the effing point? You know, like I, I can, I can, I can deal with that. I mean, you know, just because your answer, you don't want your answer to be Riley reef doesn't mean it can't be, you know, Liam Eikenberg. You know, it's it, or Alex Leatherwood. I mean, I think that I think that they can they can do with that position. They can help Joe Burrow and it doesn't have to be by firing their shot at number five. Um, and mm-hmm. they can help. They can maybe help Joe Burrow twice, you know, at number five and then and then one down um, by getting uh, getting some offensive line help. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And. You know, I think that, you know, if you look at if yeah, uh, you know what? The more that I, I think about it, do is it is it as desperate a situation where you have to take Penny Sewell at five? I think that usually happens when there is a giant gulf between the top three guys. And reading what most people are saying about these guys, including what Mel Kuyper said today, that he felt and he was on this morning on on ESPN on the first take, and he said that he felt that there was a short thrift given to Rashawn Slater, and he felt that Rashawn Slater was on par with Penny Sewell, but that Penny Sewell has had a run-up that's actually been longer than the time he's been playing because everybody's expecting him to be a top-five pick. And actually, there are stories that I've looked back from 2018 calling him a top-three pick. So, you know, we're talking about three years ago. This is when he was recruited. So, yeah, I couldn't, you know what? I can actually see something like that where a lot of NFL teams are going to say, you know what? This board is a little wider, especially at tackle. And maybe let's just take one of these big three, you know, quote unquote, big three wide receivers. And the most obvious one would be Jamar Chase, of course, for Cincinnati. So that's the way I saw it in my mock draft. And, you know, I think that that kind of leaves Miami with a choice if it happens that way. And I guess I'll ask you now, Simon, since this is a Dolphins podcast, we already set you up for the draft and how it leads up to Miami's pick. But Simon, tell us what you want them to do and what you think will happen at six. I mean, what I want them to do is be in a situation to take Kyle Pitts. And if not, then in a situation to take Devonta Smith. I am significantly less excited about Jalen Waddle. Um, I would always defer to the technician. I will always defer to the route runner. I will always defer to the guy with the great hands um, over, you know, a speed guy, frankly. Um, The hands route runner technician guy over the speed guy every single time for me. Um, You know, Waddle to me is a pretty big boom or bust guy of the receivers. I, I like him. I do like him. But the pure speed guys with the minimal route trees do make me nervous. Do we think that George Godsey and Eric Studsville are going to make the most out of Jalen Waddle? I'm not sure. You know, is a George Godsey offense really going to take, you know, is he a, mm. is he a progressive thinker that's going to get the most out of Jalen Waddle? I, I, on evidence, I wouldn't say so, but you know, maybe I'm doing it a, a disservice. And if you're listening, Mr. Godsey, then I apologize if you're sat there drawing up plays for Jalen Waddle. Um, I think it would be a shock if the Dolphins took Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith. And I don't get this argument either that people are saying, well, you know, Chris Greer's got to get on board with a six foot, you know, look, I've got a lot of respect for the Miami writers, but my God, some of them. I get that the industry is dying on its dying on the vine and they've got to get people to, to read their stuff. But, you know, I, I read somebody today saying that, you know, they didn't believe Chris Greer was going to get on board with a six foot, 168, 166 pound wide receiver. So therefore the pick was Jalen Waddle. Dude, Jalen Waddle is five foot nine, 174 pounds dripping wet or whatever. I mean, I mean, come on, let's be serious. And his injury history is significantly worse than Devonta Smith. I watched a video earlier on with Warwick Dunn 
and I'll tweet it out for my account later on. Warwick Dunn was one of my favourite ever college football players and he played for Florida State, my team, during an era um, with Kes McCorvey and Derek Brooks and uh, all those amazing guys. Charlie Ward, who obviously won the Heisman back in 93, Peter Warwick, players like that. Warwick Dunn played as a true freshman, was absolutely phenomenal. I remember his debut against Kansas uh, and he was amazing. Warwick Dunn was a first-round pick. He was the 12th overall pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Warwick Dunn was five foot nine, 176 pounds, and he played mm-hmm. running back. Not wide receiver, he played running back. Therefore, generally, physically, he gets more of a pounding than wide receiver would. And Warwick Dunn said, you know what? I was told by some scouts that if I was six foot and 210 pounds, I'd be a top three pick, even as a running back. And he said, and that really pissed me off. And it pissed me off because what it meant was that the people saying those things didn't know anything about me, but mostly they didn't know and they didn't understand how I played football physically. They didn't see how I played football and that some people are just built differently. And that's what I think about Devonta Smith, that he's just built differently. He, some people are, you know, we've all known an injury-prone 225-pound. Look, look, we've got one on our roster. Mm-hmm. Devontae Parker, you know, what is he? Six foot three, 210, 215 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, he has a lot of injuries. Yeah, he's a big specimen. He's a big human being. Devonta Smith has had one dislocated finger, which was a complete accident in his final game where his finger essentially got caught in Pete Werner's shirt um, and he missed one other game with a, with a hand issue. Nothing, you know, you watch his film, he takes a pounding, he gets hit, he get, you know, he's played 200 and some odd plays on special teams. And he's a willing blocker. He's a willing blocker. You know, he goes up and gets the ball. He high points the ball. To me, Devonta Smith should be the pick at six if Kyle Pitts isn't there. And, And I would be, I would have a significant gap between Pitts Chase Smith and then Waddle. I, I do not think uh, it's all it's all well and good, and I'm guilty of it because I've said it myself that to say that Jalen Waddle is is the next Tyreek Hill, but these guys are few and far between. Speed guys, the NFL is full of speed guys. Do you know what I mean? Speed guys and defense. You don't have to look at the numbers of the, uh, the combine or the pro days. This year, Eric Stokes runs a four twenty six. You know, there's some fast guys out there. Um, you know, speed negate speed a lot of the time i i i I like the waddle skill set i just i'm always nervous about that translating to the next level because you know you can't run go routes every single play do you know what i mean and yeah whereas you can run an awful lot of what devonta smith does and you know and i know i've banged on a lot on this answer and i'm sure chris is done talk my other point would be that this year is so different to any other year. You know, there, there's been no combine. There's hardly been a season. You know, we don't we don't really trust the results, the medical staff. It's been just so discombobulated. This year out of any other year, you've got to play it safe. You've got to play the percentages. You've got to play what you know. And I feel like Miami's two picks will be Devonta Smith and Najee Harris because you play what you know. Maybe they're not going to be the, have the most upside. But I think you're going to have to pick high-floor prospects that you pretty much know. And, and it t- talks to the mantra that we always talk about. Pick, pick good college players. Pick good college footballers. And I think that's what Miami will ultimately do. Yeah, and I guess that that's what you want them to do. What do you think they will do? Uh, very briefly before I ask you a question. I think they'll take Smith at six if Pitts isn't there. And I think if Pitts is there, they'll take Pitts. Uh, I'm I'm 1,000, 1 million percent on your side on this. I think that's exactly what happens. By the way, Simon, uh, who is the most celebrated wide receiver in Miami Dolphins history? Um, Paul Warfield. Okay, that's a good one too. But I'll argue it's Mark Clayton. He's 5'9", 177 pounds. The reason I bring him up because I just looked him up and it made me feel really, really old because he just turned 60 years old wow. earlier this month. <laughs> wow. 5'9", still... 175 pounds, 84 uh, touchdowns can... later. I can still remember his mano e mano catch <laughs> against Albert Lewis in that playoff game and <laughs> that we won 17-16 against the Chiefs, that down to the right-hand side, low and away, and... Lewis, who was an all-pro that year, missed the tackle, and and we win the game on the missed field goal at the end. What a player. Yeah, some people just built differently. Uh, Mark Clayton was one of those. Uh, I would argue Devonta Smith is the same. Chris, same question. What do you think? You know, what do you want them to do, and what do you think they'll do? I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on uh, Jalen Waddle than, uh, than Simon is, I think. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fine with either one of, either one of those players. Um, I think, what do I, what do I want them to do? Ultimately, I come out on the same side that I have been for 
let's take Kyle Pitts aside. I don't think he's going to be there. I think he is a, a rare player. You take him, you could even put him at wide receiver. I've said from for a long time, he reminds me, you know, since since back when some people thought that he's like, he's going to go out there and run a four seven or something like that because he's a tight end and that's what tight ends do. Um, you know, I was, I was saying that he reminds me of Calvin Johnson. He, he, he plays, he has body control like him. He high points, he attacks the ball like him. He, he just moves like him. He plays like Calvin Johnson, except he just doesn't have quite have that final gear that Calvin Johnson did. Um, and, and, and yet, and yet his speed is, uh, is closer than you think to, to Calvin Johnson. Well, sure enough, he goes out and runs a four, four, you know, Calvin Johnson ran just under a four, four. I think that, uh, I think that this is a phenomenal player. I would go out and get Kyle Pitts immediately. If you were, if you were there and I, I would try not to think about it too much. Um, now he's not going to be there. So what do I think they can do? They should do. It's the same thing I've been thinking for a very long time, which is Devonte Smith. And ultimately if I had to edge out one versus the other based on it, it's, it's that Devonta Smith showed the versatility to play Jalen Waddle's role when Jalen Waddle went down. And, uh, and yet he can also play on the outside. And why is that important for Miami? Because, well, Yes, we do need an inside guy. We have Will Fuller and Devontae Parker. Both of them work the outside. And so I would be a little reticent about Jamar Chase because he's hardly ever worked the inside. And Miami needs an inside immediately. They need a slot immediately, not, not a year from now when you learn it, not two years from now when you learn it. They need it immediately. Um, so I'd be a little reticent about Jamar Chase, but Devonta Smith has played there. He's played on the inside. He's played on the outside. And Will Fuller and Devontae Parker may be outsides, but they're also injury prone. So you not only have to answer the question, like, who can I get that can play with Will Fuller and Devontae Parker? You also have to get a guy that can play in place of Will Fuller and Devontae Parker uh, if one of them goes down, because the chances are one or both will at some point in the season. There, it's just in their history. It's 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 a reality that it may be unpleasant, but you have to face. Um, and I think that Devonte Parker, or sorry, Devonta Smith can do that, and he so he can fill you know fill holes for you multiple ways. And obviously, as Simon said, you know, I, I agree with him. I tend to go with the technician over the um, over the athletic. Uh, over the athleticism guy. I tend to go with the Santonio going way back. I tend to go with the Santonio Holmes rather than the Ted Ginn. Um, Mm. You know, that, that was, that was my opinion back then in that draft. Um, And uh, I think they were in the same draft, right? I'm not just making that up or they were on the same. Yeah. They were on the same team. Um, I know that, but I liked Santonio Holmes more than Ted Ginn. Um, So, yeah, I think that uh, I think, that Simon's right on that, but I'm going to speak up a little bit in favor of the dolphins and what I think they're going to do, which is draft Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith, uh, depending on if there's any trade shenanigans. Um, and that's, that's because he does slot into the right into the roster position that they need. They need a slot. They need somebody. It's not only, it's not only just that they need a slot. It's that Jalen Waddle is a horizontal stretch guy you know, because of the screen game and, you know, the jet sweep game and, and, you know, orbits and stuff like that. Uh, he can, he can do all of that. Whereas Will Fuller is a vertical stretch guy, you know, Will Fuller can run any route out there. He can get uh, open vertically. I mean, clearly Jalen Waddle can as well, but he's more of a horizontal stretch guy. I think those merge, I, I think there's synergy there that mm. could potentially, give get this offense to a different level i know that when you line will fuller up on the outside and jalen waddle in the slot um depending on where where you line the two of them up there are things that that has to do to the defense before they even run a route right and um and before they you even throw the ball to them you're gonna you're gonna win some a little bit before you even throw the ball you know, because, because of what uh, that does to you. And so the dolphins have to be looking at this and they say, well, it's a good roster fit. It's a good personnel fit. Um, 
if you know personnel fit being horizontal versus vertical like i was saying roster fit being because we have two outsides and we need an inside it's a good um it's a good obviously a good character fit everybody at alabama speaks just as highly of jalen waddle as they do Devonte smith if not higher including nick saban himself um and it, it's a you know it's it's a good i think it's probably a good scheme fit because we're trying to install an offense that's friendly for Tua tonga vailoa that kind of resembles what he had at Alabama and obviously Jalen Waddle um, helped make that Alabama offense uh, over the over the years so I think that the Dolphins could look at this and be like this is kind of a no and he's being rated here by most by most evaluators you know out there that I've seen so it's not like this is an off the wall like oh you took a late first rounder or a second round guy you know this high just because you know he's fast no that's Mm. not really the case at least according to most of the evaluators out there. And to speak up in his favor that way, I don't think he's just a vertical guy. I mean, if you look at, if you, if you watch the tape of him, you, you do see him run routes and you there, it is a fact that, you know, uh, depending on whose analytics you're looking at, I was looking at sports uh, sports info SIS. um, You know, he got open, he got open versus man, the highest of any receiver receiver in the draft. And that includes Devontae Smith. And, and that's just, that's just what the speed does for you. I mean, a lot of it has to do with where he played and, you know, of course with that speed and playing off the line of scrimmage and getting, uh, getting free access and stuff like that, they're Alabama's just having him go cross field doing the shit that, uh, the Buffalo bills did to us when, uh, when Noah Igbenogany had to play in the game and, um, and, and he just had no, uh, he had no chance. Well, I mean, Alabama does that kind of stuff with, uh, Jalen Waddle. And, and these guys don't have a chance because Jalen Waddle just plays at a different speed. And it's important that he plays at that speed. It's not just timing speed where I think that that differs from a lot of the other speedsters that you see out there. Um, so I think the Dolphins are going to do that. Uh, and, and I'm not uncool with it. But personally, I would go with Devonta Smith. I, I tend to agree with uh, Devonta Smith as far as, you know, schematically. Yeah, J- Jalen Waddle makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. – Will Fuller tends to hold safeties everywhere he goes. And when he doesn't hold the safety and when they try to move the safety into the box or they try to do something different with it, with him, Will Fuller tends to just run past them. So, you know, I could see the conundrum that a safety or a, a defensive coordinator would have having to defend against those two. But, you know, I, I just go, you know, I, I can't reconcile and – I said, you know, I was on another show the other day and they were asking me, you know, how does Chris Greer sell this? And I said, well, Chris Greer sells this by saying I'm the general manager and I pick who the hell I want, you know, and I'm taking Jalen Waddle. But I can't reconcile with myself that I'm just going to take the lesser of the two players on the same team. And it's just a fact. Devonta Smith, as a sophomore, became the alpha receiver over Jerry Judy, got more passes, more touchdowns, more yards than Jerry Judy more than Henry Ruggs, more than Jalen Waddle, then repeated the feat again. He's the alpha. He's the best receiver on that Alabama team two years running. I, I, th- I think you just have to take him. I think that's how you, you – I think that's how you could re- reconcile the two is, you know, Waddle, better fit. Smith, the better player. But if you're taking Waddle, you know, I don't think you, you can sell he's the better player, at least not now. You got to watch him play in the NFL. All right. Simon, a trade was made yesterday. Eric Flowers gone. The compensation, not that important for for this question, but what does that say as far as the offensive line? I think, first of all, it has to say that Solomon Kinley just got handed the left guard spot. First of all, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Now, what does it say for the rest of the offensive line and how it pertains to this draft? Um, well, I would say it means that they need a right tackle. Uh, it's clear that Robert Hunt has been kicked inside, um, as, as was reported uh, yesterday. So, um, so yeah, whether that comes early uh, remains to be seen, or whether or not they look into the second day, or even, sorry, into the third day, even. Um, you know, and the, there are guys out there that that could potentially fit the bill. You know, you go down, you know, you're looking at those pure right tackles. You know, you've got Tevin Jenkins, you've got the Jalen Mayfields. But, you know, where's Walker Little going to play? What are you going to do with Stone Forsyth? You know, um, the two young guys, Hudson and Dante Smith, are young in terms of experience. Where could you start them on the right side? You know, what about on day three with a guy like Adrian Ely at Oklahoma? Those sorts of kids, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But uh, to me, 
I would say the line currently would be Austin Jackson, um, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, uh, Void, uh, Center, which hopefully also gets filled uh, this weekend. <laughs> Robert Hunt, Void, really. You know, you've got Jesse Davis, you've got Dieter, uh, you've got uh, DJ Fluker. But yeah, uh, I think it's uh, open to uh, draft weekend interpretation. Yeah, we were going back and forth on this, and I'm gonna get you, Chris. I'm gonna get you in on this also. We're going back and forth on this. I can't, I don't, I don't, I can't figure this out. I know DJ Fluker is a pretty decent NFL right guard. I know he's probably not a very good right tackle because I've seen him play bad at left tackle, even though he was good last year for Baltimore. I understand that, listeners. Before you start sending tweets, so <laughs> I don't understand why you. Well, well, they didn't trade for him, but you sign a guy who you. You kind of know he's a pretty good NFL right guard. But now he's going to play right tackle for you? Like, I don't get it. And you're moving the guy that you were saying is, you know, we were going to allow to fail at right tackle. You move him to right guard, but you sign the guy who's probably a good right guard, and you're going to play him at right tackle. Like, I just don't understand it. How do you well, make sense of it? I, so the Dolphins have not announced that they've, they're moving Robert Hunt, right? That was, and I, I'm not doubting anybody. Um, just they haven't announced it. If they announce it, then obviously it's a, it's a different story. But, um, but we the have. The team's announced they're moving a guy from tackle to guard? Yeah, they, Do they? yeah gen, genuinely they will, they, will, they, will say, they will say in a press conference or something like that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about so-and-so being moved or, or maybe the player will you know, the player will, uh, will reveal it, but they have not said anything about Robert Hunt moving inside. It was as soon as they traded Eric flowers, um, Cam Wolf of ESPN. And, uh, I think also the, uh, Miami Herald, uh, reported that, you know, according to their, according to their sources, Robert Hunt is being, is being moved inside. I think the timing of that is curious. I don't think, if you're taking a tackle in the draft that you, I don't think you want people to know that you're taking a tackle in the draft and, you know, by telling everybody, by letting it, letting it out there that Robert Hunt is moving to guard and that you're cutting, you know, Eric or not cutting, but trading Eric flowers. Um, I think you're telling everybody that you're out for a tackle in the draft. And I don't, I don't see how that, unless this was unintentional and that, that is a possibility, you know, they didn't intend for that to, to get, to get out and it did. Um, but I, I think that this, uh, this front office tends to be a little bit better than that, you know, at keeping secrets. I think that we've seen that ourselves. So I think it's very conspicuous. And until they actually, they actually say something about it, then I'm just going to keep my mind open about what's happening, uh, with Robert Hunt, because I'll tell you what, they could take Quinn Miners at number 50 overall and by the way they do have a center matt scura and a year ago if they would have signed matt scura it would have been considered one of the premium signings in the nfl right mm -hmm. um at center so you want to give yourself the ability to be right right i mean if if you're taking a shot on a guy like matt scura you want to be able to say well what happens if i'm right on him uh and if you take a quinn Miners at number 50 who was a guard a university uh, of Wisconsin Whitewater, um, then you can have him compete at the guard spots, you know, where Eric Flowers is no longer. Uh, and Robert Hunt could compete at the right tackle spot, continue to do that. Um, that's a viable, that's a viable plan. So you want to enter the draft. You don't want to enter the draft having cornered yourself, you know, put and painted yourself into a corner Um so I think, you know, I'm just keeping an open mind about that. It could be a tackle. Could and Listen, I, I'm, I think Chris Greer loves Alex Leatherwood. And I think that he would, he would go for him in a second at 36 if, if it didn't, you know, conflict with the running back plans. But, um, but I, I want to keep my mind open that way because, you know, until they say it, until they say it in public about uh, Robert Hunt or until Robert Hunt himself says it, then – is it really 100%? Yeah. All right. Now, winding down here, Simon, at 18, what do you think is going to happen at 18? No specific players because there's going to be – I'm going to have a question at the end of the, 
of the show for that. But what do you think they're thinking about at 18? What's more likely, a trade, an edge player, or maybe a running back, offensive I mean, lineman? What do you think they're be. probably thinking about at 18? It could be anything, frankly. It won't be a quarterback, obviously. It could be a receiver. You throw Elijah Moore into the mix. You know, mm-hmm. you throw Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall, potentially. I don't think it'll be a tight end. Uh, they don't need a tight end. The, the, the Pips argument you've made in previous shows about why he's so important. It could be a right tackle. Um, you know, although to me, Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield, that's a little bit too, a little bit too high for me for those mm-hmm. two personally. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a defensive tackle. Uh, I don't, you know, I like Levi Wanzariki, but I don't think, again, that's a little bit too uh, salty for me at that that position, at uh, that draft position. To me, if Quitty pays on the board, I, I take Quitty Pay and I don't look back. There seems to be some concerns about Aziz Ojolari's knee um, towards ACL in, in high school and rumours about, you know, whether or not that, that there was some, um, some wear and tear to that knee and, and maybe some arthritis in it. Um, which had shown up on those combine, uh, the, the, the combine uh, reassessments, health check reassessments. Um, you know, you look at linebacker, you know, the player that more fits the Miami Dolphins pretty much than any player in the draft is probably Zabin Collins. You know, I heard from two different people uh, about Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa yesterday, um, you know, and the Dolphins looking at a sort of a safety, big nickel, third safety guy that can be a tight end eliminator, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've even heard cornerback. You know, I've heard Asante Samuel's name linked. I know the Dolphins have had two meetings with Asante Samuel Jr., which would seem inexplicable given the, the, the secondary that they have. But who knows? So I think they could go in an awful lot of directions. Chris? Yeah, I mean, if, if we're not... So we're not supposed to say individual players. <laughs> I just said um, like a load. You just said like a bunch of. I mean, it's hard. It's players. hard not to talk about. <laughs> it really is. When right? you're asked, you know. Well, and, yeah, and we're going to talk about individual players at 18. <laughs> it, the list is so giant that you know. It, well, yes, I, and I, I messaged my number one. I mean, nobody really has sources, especially not with this Miami Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> team but he's the guy that told me about Brandon Ayuk last year which turned out to be true he's the guy that told me that Solomon Kinley was going to be the pick and I messaged him today and said you know jokingly said something like um uh you know I've got our first two picks narrowed down to 19 players ha 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 and and I'm not lying I mean that's pretty much what it was wasn't it we were sat in the whatsapp group for about an hour or something Mm. just chatting through and our list of players for 18 was about 18 players long. And, you know, I gave off a load of players there and didn't even mention Alex Leatherwood or Creed Humphrey or, you know, so, I mean, I know we're not supposed to mention players, but I've mentioned about 50. So, um, yeah, <laughs> take it away, Chris. Yeah. Chris, what are they you doing know, at 18? Like, what's happening at 18? What's the most likely? I don't, don't say I don't. names. Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that... In the well, end, hey, if you have a name, Dolphins, if you want to call your shot now, you could go ahead and call your shot. But I don't know how, how you can is my whole point. I think in the end, the Miami Dolphins are going to either uh, get on the horn and send in a pick or trade the pick. Hey, don't get split in the south of the fence there, buddy. <laughs> well, well you, you forgot a third possibility as Kyle Shanahan uh, very smartly Hold everybody. Or, we also or everybody be will dead. be dead. Yeah, before or the draft, will be dead and nothing because... happens. You know, so there is a third possibility. We we could all just get raptured um, <laughs> yes. before then. Um, so no, I think. So what, what what do I ultimately think they're gonna do? Um, you know, tackle is clearly on. Just because they're not, I, I don't think they're necessarily painted in a corner on the tackle doesn't mean I don't think it's on the board. I, it's always been on the board, and I've always had in the back of my mind, somebody like Dylan Raddins. Um, I don't know if he'd go as high as 18 or not. Um, the Dolphins might think about Christian Darisoff. He's there. I'm, you know, personally not, not a guy that would, um, that would back that, but um, you know, that's, that's a possibility. I would be surprised if it's not, you know, a tackle like uh, Alex Leatherwood or one of the running backs. And by one of the running backs, the, the ones that I think could go at 18 for the Miami Dolphins, the one I get a sense for is either Najee, Najee Harris 
or or even Travis Etienne. Um, and and then there's the linebackers. There's Avon Collins and Micah Parsons, you know, obviously. And then there's uh, the pass rushers. And the the one uh, for a while now, and you know, for a week or so, the my thinking has been that they're going to come away from this draft with Jalen uh, and talk about calling your shot. I, I think that it's going to be Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips. And then I think they're going to trade up from 36 to make sure that they get a running back. I'm not sure which one that'll be, but I think it's going to be one of the three. And then Jaylen I think Darden. at number – what's that? Jalen Darden. He's a Jalen Darden. for the Jalens. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> I mean, why not? So, um, And then at number 50, Quinn Miners, I think that they're going to get. And then at number 81, I, I, have, I have a sense, I believe, that they're, they're targeting a safety. Uh, I've seen people that – are very well plugged in that are ranking that are conspicuously ranking Tamar Hamlin in their top 100s. Um, hmm. And so, uh, so I, you know, I, I happen to think that at 81, they might consider Demar Hamlin. I know that they've had lots of um, conversation with him and they have a lot of respect for him coaching him in the senior bowl. So I think, you know, if, if you want me to call my shot, that's what I think is happening. I think the, the Dolphins are getting Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, uh, either either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, and then Quinn Miners, and then Damar Hamlin. How's that for call, calling your shot? That's very, very nice. So since you called your shot, Simon, call yours. Give me the two players that they end up with in the first round tomorrow. Uh, I think they take Najee Harris. I think it'll be Smith and Harris. I think you just pick good high floor college football players. Look, they talked about getting to uh, help. You can't get better help than two kids that Smitty came up with. Uh, yeah, came up putting with the super friends back together. Yeah, I mean, it just makes so much sense, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's who awesome. I put in my mock draft, and it's the same thing. You know, I, I, I agree. Uh, I don't know how you – okay, you've made this commitment to Tua Tungabal, or you have the opportunity to get his running back, who also happens to be his best friend and his workout buddy, okay? And then, you know – the best receiver he's probably known because I'm, I'm pretty sure if you ask Tua Tungabailoa, you know, who's the best receiver you played with, it's not going to be Devontae Parker. He's going to say, no, it's probably Devonta Smith. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have the opportunity to get those two guys and then you're just going to pass and take other guys? I think it's those two Alabama guys. I think it happens. I think those two guys get there. All right. On the way out, every year I pick the Kentucky Derby winner. And the pressure has mounted because my streak has reached four. I'm four for four, trying to make it five for five. So here it goes. Rocky World will win on Saturday. He will win the Kentucky Derby, trained by John Sadler, ridden by Joel Rosario at five to one. He is the one to third choice on the board right now. So he's the 15 hole. Bet him. He'll take him wire to wire. All right. That's it. There is no more. Enjoy the draft. Maybe you get an, uh, an emergency podcast. Maybe you don't. If not, enjoy all the programming we will have on the Five Reason Sports Network's YouTube account. We will be going wall-to-wall Thursday and Friday. Saturday, I'll be in a stupor watching Rocket World win. Bet them win. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.